Don't Look Back with Kaz Tran. I got a plan. Let's take off in the blue station wagon and find the open road to salvation away from here. David Bright is an artist who applies a wide lens to what he does. Maybe it's the light breeziness of his group, My Friend the Chocolate Cake. The evocative soundtracks he composes, or his own searching solo work. He's an artist with a broader worldview than most, something that came about when he had his first band, Not Drowning Waving. And a friend raved to him about the amazing wonders that were right on our doorstep, in particular in Papua New Guinea. We were just lucky with the Not Drowning Waving through, actually through that same person, Mark Worth, whose father was in the Navy at Longbroom, where the detention centre is now. That was probably the reason why we went up there, because he said, he, he said to me, at a, he used to do our visuals. So he used to do project visuals for a whole lot of the bands back in, I think, with the models and the uh, birthday party in those early ballroom days here. And then Mark was doing some visuals for us, projecting Super 8 and 16mm films. And, um, uh, and, and when we'd sort of go back to... Uh, it wasn't the hotel in those days, somebody's house that you were sleeping on the floor of, Mark would wax lyrical about saying, he said, David, don't, you know, you can go to America or Britain or Europe and it's all just the same as here. It's just a homogenised world up there. But if you go to Papua New Guinea, it's bloody different. It's kind of, and he said, it's fantastically different. It's like culturally strong. It's really smart. It's got all, so many different language groups and uh, musical styles and it's, you know, it's a visual smorgasbord um, uh, you know, colourful and the smells and uh, this fascinating history where people have gone through the Industrial Revolution in, you know, a really short period of time and the war history is really strong. So there's really big connection for Australia and it's our closest neighbour. Right. It's like four kilometres from Saibai Island to the main, uh, the northernmost point of Australia. At low tide, you can walk across to Papua New Guinea. No. No. So we always talk about Australia being an island, but we're kind of landlocked no, with PNG. And all the in, uh, Indigenous Australians in the northern part of Queensland, especially the Torres Strait Islanders, they, they, it's, they speak the same language, same dance, same songs. As, mm. um, so we are really connected mm. in a, a, a lot stronger way. And I think for us, I mean, we were really naive and wet behind the ears when we went up and did the Tabaran record in, in 1988 in uh, the Pacific Gold Studios in Rabaul. But I, I'm so thankful for it. He's come in to Don't Look Back today to talk about a song that impressionistically reflected the place and time it was from and that musically still gives him a huge buzz. The keyboard at the beginning sounds like water. Tina Weymouth's bass line, that so it Grooves. It's probably fairly obvious what song he's going to talk about today on Don't Look Back, but hang tight because he has thoughts on this tune that relates it to our neck of the woods. For over 30 years now, he's been quietly and successfully developing ties, supporting and bringing awareness to the cultural richness of a variety of communities across Oceania through his Wontok record label, like the new album for PNG legend George Tellick. <laughs> Our 
David Bridie lived in Papua New Guinea for a time too, so it's not surprising that he has strong views on the place where many asylum seekers are being held. I mean, Manus Island is beautiful. It's a mm. really, really beautiful place, but um, it's very, very hot. It's just south of the equator, and in that tropical climate, um, infections and diseases kind of, you know, whenever I get a coral cut in PNG, which you invariably do, because uh, Manus is a has a lot of coral reefs and so you know you always stub your if you stub your toe you're stubbing it on coral mm. they never heal for me until i get back to australia and they can those things get infected and um i'd imagine in the heat uh living in you know portable rooms um and looking also you know these are the people who are escaping our enemies so mm. they should be our allies really shouldn't mm -hmm. they and australians too easily buy this thing, oh, they're economic refugees. I mean, and it, it, that doesn't make any sense to me because most people are wanting a, a better life. But all of these people have been escaping um, a war-torn uh, situation. And I think it's a real cloud that hangs over our country until we get this right. Mm. But both parties haven't faced up to it, so... Australia is such a wonderful country It's in terms of geographically and the beauty of the place and you know, as I walk around, walk my dog Vera around the streets and uh, just the range of people and just that sense of community is really good. Mm. There's, there's all these such wonderful things about Australia and, and but uh, so there's that thing of you know we really should be a lot better than we actually are. Songwriters reflect, that you f reflect on where you're from and um, your work, uh, yeah, is a reflection of your country and the way you uh, feel about it um, at its best, at its best, mm. not the, um, which is why I wanted to choose uh, a Talking Heads track for this. Um, uh, for Don't Look Back. For Don't Look Back, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I've chosen uh, Once in a Lifetime. I mean, there's so many songs. You know, when you look back, what's a song? So that, many. Yeah, so many, but... Uh, I selected this because it is, I thought, here's a song that ticks so many boxes as a pop song. But it had a really, kind of had a, you know, this sort of existential lyric about, you know, accumulating possessions and does that make you feel any better, you know, that sort of Stepford Wives kind of, mm. um, you know, and it sampled, uh, Preachers, and that's where the kind of lyric, you know, and you may ask yourself. Yeah, yes, it was um, quite sort of Jimmy, Jimmy, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Baker, was it? Tammy yeah, Faye. Tammy Faye, yeah, yep. Um, so it had that evangelical kind of um, charismatic, priesty, yes, which I think biblical thing. Which David Byrne and Brian Eno continued on in that My Life in the Bush of um, uh, Ghosts. Uh, but this was using those kind and uh, use, using those kind of phrases, sort of. Um, you know, you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack, another part of the world, uh, accumulating, you know, cars and houses and wives and all that. And, and then there's that sort of biblical lyric about the, the water in the, in the chorus, that, that sort of take me to the river kind of vibe. Yes, yes. Um, and music, so, so lyrically it was a really s smart and interesting uh, lyric. And musically it sort of... Uh, uh, was influenced by a lot of the African rhythms of, of, of Fela Kuti and uh, without um, 
appropriating them. It was like um, using, it was influenced by that style, so the, that mm. sort of percussion track. Um, and uh, Talking Heads are a great band too. I mean, Tina Weymouth is, a, I think, a really underestimated bass player. And the bass line in this song is cool ass. Same as it ever was. 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 And uh, Chris Francis, her husband, he's a drummer. He was um, uh, really solid and strong. Jerry Harrison's a great musician in his own right. Um, and I think Adrian Blue plays on it as well. He's one of my favourite guitarists. And Tony Basil choreographed the film clip, so there's all. And you always remember that sort of the big suit and the you know the chopping up the arm and the throwing the head back. And um, I do remember seeing Talking Heads and the Pretenders playing at the swimming centre here in Melbourne. Once in a Stop Making Sense is one of the great sort of films of a concert, you know, of a... So. And Romanian Light is great. There's uh, Born Under Punctures and Cross-Eyed and Painless and The Great Curve, and they're all really good dancing songs as well as um, having uh, substance in the lyric. And I, look, I guess as musicians, you're always... Uh, songwriters, it's kind of... You look at music and creating a song and performing as being an art form, but then... I mean, the music industry is pretty, you know, has a very strong tacky side to it. But I, I think it's probably the same as, you know, or, you know, whether it be literature or films, there's, your, you know, your mm. mainstream mm. fodder that's kind of, you know, the uh, film version of clickbait or something that yes. people just go and see. Uh, and then there is, you know, really strong statement stuff. And once in a lifetime straddled all those areas, so right, that, yeah. so I think, um, yeah, all power to it. So that yeah, there is there is a lot of theatre. There's a lot of innovation in that too, um, and it's got the religious stuff, the political stuff. You know, it's got a kind of broad world view to it, isn't it? Like how how did all that seep into your? How old were you? Your mind, well, mind at that age? <laughs> I was um, so I was. We've got released in 81, I would have been, so I was 19 then. 19? Okay, mm. so you're old enough to kind of appreciate that. Did, had you come across West, West African music and stuff before? I mean, were those rhythms really quite new to your ears? Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yep. I mean, but that, a lot of this came out of, um, I mean, a lot of the post-punk stuff that was coming out of the UK and Europe had, um, there was a lot of... Um, uh, African and Jamaican musicians involved in those bands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, this is what I really liked about the sort of the um, the the punk movement, the post-punk movement, is it did kind of have, it had a social justice edge to it mm. and was also uh, seeking new ways to be creative or do things differently. It was um, mm. had a real sort of strong purpose. Mm. Um, so that was very influential. So when you hear um, that this song, does, does it still feed you um, creatively in some way? What do you get from it? Okay, I've listened to it on the way in the car. Look, so I love the lyric. That's uh, those little grabs of things. And it's not like it's not like telling a... I mean, it is telling a story, but it's not like this narrative no. line. It's um, um, almost cut-ups of, you know, uh, these... Um, you know, the drudgery of urban life put up there. But uh, the keyboard at the beginning sounds like water. Oh. Tina Weymouth's bass line, that... And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shell. 
so it grooves like anything and then it's got these three power chords at the end Brian Eno and Dave Burner talked about how they would, some people would start on the one and some people would start on the three. And I think Eno got all the band members to play these little, it's, what, it's a build up of little simple rhythms that sound really complex at the end. Yeah. But, and he got all the m- musicians to play and he would start them all off at a different part in the song and they wouldn't hear what the other members had uh when they're, when they're recording it? When they're recording just the percussion parts. Right. So there's, um, and if you listen to it, it's got this. Um, so it's got polyrhythmic. Yeah, there's polyrhythmic stuff going on. And it's not, look, it's it's complex. It's not complex in a um, a wacky jazz kind of way. It's it's like rock and roll is, and those African rhythms are very grounded. They're sort mm. of, um, but so it's got this really interesting sound texture in the rhythm section. And um, that's sort of, you know, almost. Uh, Letting the days go by, lyric in the chorus that is a group vocal, so it still works. It's like you know, it's you hear songs and you go, "Oh, that's really dated." Uh, Once in a lifetime, actually, the whole record is a a whole of Romanian light would be a a desert island disc for me. You know, around the same time as Once in a Lifetime came out, a lot of people, in, whether it be in the counterculture or in universities in the United States, they knew all about Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras and um, Mexico because that was their immediate region. And there was, you know, political uprisings going on, you know, culturally fascinating stuff going on, different alcohols, you know, you know, a place to go and travel to. Mm. And Melanesia's had all of that for Australia. There's been wars and really... Um, uh, awful, but you know, important wars in East Timor, in West Papua, it's still going on. In Bougainville, um, the you know the president of uh, the, the leader of the Kanak movement in New Caledonia was assassinated in 1984. That's not long ago. No. Um, you know, if you're into um, bird life or nature walks, there's so much stuff. There, you know, mountain climbing, surfing. Mm. Um, Musically, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, culturally, it's fascinating. It's a very, um, you know, like all places, it's very multi-layered in terms of, you know, the, the the wise men and women up there are really wise, and they've got mm. they've got uh, a take on the world that is fascinating. So they have that sort of those traditions. Yeah. So to go and explore and listen to their story, mm. um, I think that should be part of being an Australian. I think this area here and the similar thing, I, th- I guess. Um, Probably, perhaps even more important for Australians engaging with uh, the you know First Nations people here in Australia. But uh, Melanesia is um, it's our, it part of our world, whether we like it or not. Yes. Some very interesting thoughts on our region from someone who's taken a lot in firsthand over the last few decades, David Bryden. Don't Look Back is produced by me, Kaz Tran. There's more music for you from your past, present and future at doublej.net.au. For more songs that changed it all, subscribe now to Double J's Don't Look Back podcast.